Okay, I think I got it right. There we go. Good morning, everyone. I'm back. Um, and I'm having all sorts of troubles this morning. All sorts of problems this morning. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry, but I it's it's just it's just one of those mornings so far. Um, and I can see that this as soon as I can yeah, there we go. OBS disconnected. Wow. Oh man. Okay, now it's trying to reconnect. Okay. Okay, maybe it's gonna work now. Guys, I don't I don't know. It is it is one of those mornings for me. Um just about just about everything that could go wrong has gone wrong so far this morning. Um and that's why I'm late. I'm very sorry. But um like <laughs> wow. I uh I thought I had a bag of coffee in the cabinet. I didn't. So I had to run and get inferior coffee this morning. And that took forever. And then on the way home, I got a flat tire. And um, so I pulled into my driveway and right now my tire is going flat, but I got an air compressor. So I'm going to air it up and then uh, take it to a shop later this afternoon, I guess. And then I get down here. I can't log into Twitch. I can't log into DLive. I don't know why. And uh, yeah, it's and then it, it's just been... It's it's just it's just been one of those mornings for me, but that's okay. Um, sorry, I've been I've been gone for a few days. I was sick. I ended up that migraine ended up becoming a uh, a sinus infection, and uh, but I got over it. I'm much better now. Um, I can also see my camera is not working well. It's it's really it's glitching. It's shaking a lot. Uh, I'm not sure what's up with that. Um, but let's just let's just go and see how much of a uh, a show we can get in. There's no shortage of topics to cover, and um, what I want to what I want to say, just in case, um, just in case this does crash or whatever, I'll do my best to come back on. Um, but I want to tell you, in case you missed it, I did do a Substack on Monday night. I dropped it Monday night, and uh, I covered the news from the Danchenko trial. There was a ton of um, not a ton. There were about a half dozen filings in the Danchenko case last week, um, particularly on Friday. So I didn't get to cover them on Friday or Monday. So instead, what I did was I wrote a Substack and uh, I published that. It's just an overview, a recap of the filings in the Danchenko case from last week. If you're interested in that, go to my Substack, just human.substack.com. It's free. Everything on there is free. And you can catch up on that news. I am considering doing a bonus hour tonight and going over just that Substack and any new filings that happen today. If um, I'm, I'm pretty positive I'm going to do that late tonight. Um, so look for that. I'll publish that on my Substack and on my locals, a bonus hour. And then today, I, I did most of my uh, compiling of research for the what's going on with Nord Stream. So we're, we're going to hit that today. And, um, and then some other things is, as long as we have time for it. Um, but mostly I'm focusing on Nord Stream right, uh, today. That's my main plan. 
and uh yeah let's go let's let's see what we can get in uk neil thank you very much for the coffee money and that is the wrong screen there we go and see my see this is off too hold on let me let me adjust this let me adjust this come on no 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 come on there we go you i need there we go okay I don't I don't know what's going I don't know what's going on. Like I'm good. I'm in a I'm in a good mood. It's okay. Like I'm not It's just a, it's just a, it's just going to be one of those challenging challenging days. Um let's hit on special master news cuz there is a a little bit of news with that and um I need to grab the actual filing now y'all probably seen the various there's since i was last live there's been a there's been a bunch of uh not a bunch but there's been some special master news one judge deary he grabbed um some help with the case he got he brought on someone he already knew another judge to help him with it that's not unexpected that's not that big of a surprise at all one of the things that they were measuring or that the judge was considering in choosing to when they were selecting among special master candidates was do they have the staff to do this? And it's, so it's not a surprise that Deary is going to uh, hire someone on to help him with it. A bill was filed. Like they, they get a scheduling of billing for it and how much estimated cost that was filed. Um, the big news is that DOJ has filed a quote unquote, more accurate list of of the of an inventory of what was taken from mar-a-lago and they the judge has also told uh trump's team look you have if you're going to say that evidence was planted you need to prove um another big issue in the case that was decided is that the 11th circuit said the doj can continue with their investigation they can continue to look at the classified documents do their classified review and the material that is relevant to their investigation. They can continue using that and continue going over it for their investigation, their purposes of the, the probe. I don't got a problem with any of that. I've seen plenty of clickbait articles being generated off of all of these news items. Um, and that's easy to do. I've seen lots of clickbait articles about it from conservative media and from MSM. Um, MSM has taken the angle that Judge Deary is slapping down Trump and Trump's going to regret that he ever asked for a special master and all sorts of junk like that. No, this is just part of the process. And Trump's team was well aware that this would be part of the process. Um, and I, everything that every bit of news that we get out of this special master case, I'm thinking of it big, big picture that what happens here is setting precedent for how other former presidents are going to be treated in when they're the subject of a criminal probe or when someone in their orbit is subject of a criminal probe and there needs to be some search warrants or subpoenas issued to them and their organizations or their properties for materials that they have. So everything that happens in this case, it's just lawfare playing out and it's battles that are playing out that to me preview what is down the road for other former presidents.
So even when it seemingly doesn't quote unquote go our way, I'm thinking about how it's not going to go their way in the future. And I'm not worried about Trump because I don't believe for any, even a moment that Trump broke the law at all. And I don't even believe that these criminal probes are about quote unquote, getting Trump. The walls are not going to close in on Trump. And it doesn't matter how many stories the media prints saying that the walls are closing in. Um, I saw that Letitia James actually said that the other day in her announcement. Letitia James actually said in her announcement, the walls are closing in on Trump. And I was like, this is, this is like a meme press conference. Like, did someone, did a ghost feed her that line just so that those of us who have figured this out could get a really good laugh? I could not believe that she actually said that. Um, anyway, those are some of the develop developments in this case. Um, by the way, the Letitia James thing, it's total, it's total bunk. Uh, she, she's a, a political hack. She's leftist. She's trying to, in my opinion, she's trying to, uh, she's trying to get some good media for herself, get some attention for herself. Uh, this attempt is going to fail. Um, she's, she's trying to appease people who hate Trump. Um, she's trying to get camera time, get invited on CNN and MSNBC. You know, you know, she can fail at this. She can fail at, at, at getting Trump and she will, but it'll still add to her credentials among the leftist intelligentsia and whatnot. Those, you know, Letitia James, by failing to get Trump, as long as she does some good press conferences and, um, she's able to tell a narrative that she came close and almost got him. She can get a gig on MSNBC for the next 30 years. So that's, that's, that's what her angle is in, in my opinion. Um, so anyway, I do want to touch on something from this special master or from the Trump special master Mar-a-Lago thing. Um, the, because of the special master being appointed and at his request, I believe, a new, more accurate inventory has been filed and affidavit regarding the inventory. This is the affidavit regarding the inventory. So a special agent from F from counter Intel division, their name is redacted. Uh, files here that as supervisory agent, I led a squad of FBI agents, intelligence analysts, and other support personnel in conducting counterintelligence and espionage investigations, including investigations concerning the mishandling of classified or national defense information. Now, I'm just going to say this again, guys. Do you think that Trump did any of those things? I don't believe that Trump is guilty of espionage or that he mishandled classified or national defense information. But I can think of some other people who have and who have seemingly gotten away with it. And that's what I think this grand jury is actually about, but we'll see. And there was, I didn't grab it, but there was in the past week, there were some comments by Trump and Trump people that pointed to this. I remember seeing them while I was sick that I think it was Cash Patel said something about Crossfire Hurricane or Devin Nunes did said something about Clinton, Hillary Clinton emails. And then Trump said something about it. 
all pointing to the witch hunt. It was in relation to this. Maybe y'all recall it. Uh, but I got a couple messages from people while I was out saying, hey, you may be right about Mar-a-Lago that it's about getting her. Because look what Trump or Nunes or Cash, whoever. I know Trump said something and then or tweeted something, truthed something. And then either Devin or Cash said something that alluded to it. Anyway, this agent makes this declaration in response to the special master's case management plan, which directed, quote, a government official which, with sufficient knowledge of the matter to submit a declaration or affidavit as to whether the detailed property inventory represents the full and accurate extent of the property seized from the premises Mar-a-Lago. The squad that I supervise had primary responsibility for the execution of the search warrant at the premises. On August 8th, I was, present, I was present during the execution of that search warrant, which resulted in the seizure of 33 boxes, containers, or other items of evidence, which contained just over 100 records with classified markings, including records marked top secret and records marked as containing additional sensitive compartmented information. Since the execution of the search warrant, these materials have remained in the custody of the FBI and have been maintained pursuant to FBI procedures governing the secure storage of evidence and chain of custody. Following the execution of the search, I and FBI personnel working under and at the direction began to review the seized materials as part of our investigation. My direction, I'm sorry. Pursuant to the court's order, do, 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 seized materials for draft property, blah, blah, blah. In order to ensure that the detailed property inventory was accurate, I and FBI personnel working under my direction conducted an additional review and recount of the seized materials in order to make this declaration. It, let's see, what's this footnote for? Yeah, it's talking about the privilege review team and uh, the procedures of that. Okay, based on my personal awareness and, it, and knowledge of the facts in this matter as well, this is accurate. Here it is. Okay. This is more detailed than what we got before. Remember the original one that we got was, it just said box like A11, box A12, box A2. Like it was a very, very broad. And there were lots of like really clickbait takes about how terrible this is and how warrants have to be specific. And uh, this inventory list is uh, who knows what's in it. They could have put anything in there. Lots of chatter along that line, but it really wasn't that different from. It, it really wasn't a big deal. People were just making a big deal of it then. So they went over this and the story is that they found like 67 more documents or 63 more documents uh, in doing this review. Lots of clickbait articles being generated off of that. I don't think that's that big of a deal because where it says documents, a document could be one single sheet of paper. A document could be a thousand sheets of paper. And so in doing their additional review, it could be that two separate documents were in the same folder and that got counted as one document because they were together or they had a paper clip or they had, they were binded in some way and it appeared to be one document of however many pieces of paper. But then when they did their additional review, they figured out, oh, actually, these are these should be counted as two separate documents. It's just that they were in the same folder together or they got the same paper. They got one paper clip 
together because that's how they were put together when they were stored. These are really simple things that are easy to understand, and there's no reason to jump to um, conclusions about it. There's no need to infer something nefarious is happening in, in every instance of it or that it, that it points to something nefarious happening. Um, but we did get more um, detailed inventory list here, and there's just over 100 documents that are marked classified. Now I think, and I, and I've shown this on the screen before, um, in other, from other filings, let me see. No, empty isn't listed here. I think what they're really about, what I think this probe is really getting to, and it was in a filing a while back. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was in the agents. It was in one of the affidavits and it was in a filing by DOJ these empty folders right here, two empty folders with classified banners, two empty folders labeled return to staff, secretary, military aid. I think that the empty folders are really what this is about. There's another one, two empty folders right here. There's one U S government document with secret classification markings. Two U S government documents or photographs without classification markings. I, I think it's the empty folders that they are most concerned about. And I'm going to repeat, there's some more of them. I'm going to repeat my little kind of uh, harebrained idea, my, my hypothesis that may be a little bit too far. But I think, I think Trump may have done something really clever here. And what he did is that he took what was inside those folders. They're now empty. He took what was inside those folder, those folders that are marked classified. And he, and that's evidence. And he took it and he either gave it to Durham or he gave it to someone else. He gave it to Ratcliffe and Ratcliffe gave it to Durham. Remember that story that went around just before this raid? Um, that Ratcliffe gave a priest or Meadows gave what Trump declassed about crossfire hurricane and other investigations back to DOJ. And a lot of conservative incorporated pundits were getting all mad about it. And a lot of the Twitter researchers, Spygate researchers were getting mad because how could Trump be so stupid to return what he declassified back to DOJ? They're just going to hide it. They're just going to bury it. Remember that? I think that story went around in, in July. And I think that's what this is. I think they took the documents out of the folders and gave them over to DOJ, gave them over to Durham for his investigation, and then kept the folders that are now empty. And they did that because at some point, FBI would need to come and get them. They would want to come and get these folders. And in the process of that, they would, they would do a search warrant, okay, or a subpoena. And then that would draw all the media's attention to Mar-a-Lago and draw all the media would be baited into thinking that the FBI was after Trump again. And all of this attention would be focused 
on this stuff and it would build and build and build over months what was in the empty folders what did trump do what was in the empty folders and then it would be revealed oh durham has it all and it's all about hillary clinton's emails and it's all about crossfire hurricane and it's all about russiagate and spygate and it, it was all declassified and like Trump should have, he gave those documents that he declassified back to DOJ to use for their investigations, to, for the special counsel to use and others. But he kept the empty folders as a lure, as a, like a, a device that he could use later on to draw attention to the whole thing. Because you'll never get, you're not going to get mainstream media to report on what Durham's doing or any other investigation. The only time that they're going to run stories about it is when they they uh, run some story about how this is the end of the road for Durham. He's not going to get anything about it. He's failed. Trump didn't get what he wanted out of him. This is the last indictment, and it's for a low-level guy doesn't, that, that lied. It doesn't really matter. Um, you know, all those black pill articles, those fantasies, that's what... That's what they'll run stories about, but they're not going to tell the story about any of the evidence that Durham is looking at or any of the evidence that he's put into filings. So that is my hypothesis about why Trump kept empty folders. If anybody has a better hypothesis about why Trump would keep empty folders at Mar-a-Lago with marked classified banners on them and marked top secret banners, then feel free to leave me a comment um, on Truth or in my Telegram chat or whatever. With a, if you have a better theory about it, I'm really interested in it. But this is my this I've been thinking about it since this happened, and I I can't think of a better reason. It just seems like a really good trap, a really good trap that 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 would be irresistible to the media and to, to Trump's opponents. So now there, now there are, um, there are some documents that, that are not empty folders like these right here, U S government document with secret classification markings, U S government document with confidential classification markings. Interested to see what those are. Um, for all we know, those are documents that have to do with parts of the investigation. You remember, um, you know, they could be letters that are, uh, for example, remember Ratcliffe declassifying the letter. I've brought it up on stream so many times, showing showing that uh, they got an investigative referral in July of twenty or of in July of twenty sixteen about Hillary Clinton's plan to frame Donald Trump for Russian interference and all this stuff. You know, that was declassified years later, but for a while it was classified under i don't remember if it was secret top secret i don't remember but it was classified for a while it could be more documents like that where these these documents point to the process that was going on behind the scenes to investigate crossfire hurricane hurricane and spygate and these are documents that have not been public made public yet and through this investigation through this this search warrant um it draws the media's attention to them and Pretty soon you'll get you'll get reporters asking Merrick Garland or asking other 
DOJ spokespeople, hey, in in box number 25, there were two U.S. government documents that were marked, classified, one of them confidential, one of them secret. What were those documents? And then DOJ can say, I'll get back to you about it. And then a few days later, they'll publish it. Be like, here you go. Here's what they were. And they turn out to be something that is not what the MSM was hoping they would be. Something that damages the deep state. So that's pretty much catching you up on the Trump case. There is a, uh, they changed, they were, they had a back and forth about the scheduling of it, um, about when the special master is going to be done. There's the document right here on staffing and compensation. And then here's the motion for extension. So here is the one has to do with, um, <clears throat> staffing and uh orenstein there he is judge orenstein is the guy who um judge deary brought on he's someone who has worked with judge deary before i think he if i remember right he's also out of the eastern district of new york and he's going to be paid 500 dollars an hour that's pretty nice um that reminds me i did see some people getting mad about how trump is going to have to pay for the special master but I think that's right. Trump is the one who is asking for the special master. I think it makes sense that he should have to pay. And like I said earlier, that tells me it sets the precedent for uh, other future operations to uh, who else is going to have to pay for, for this kind of service in the future, you know? So I'm not really bothered about that. I don't think Trump is bothered about having to pay for the special master. He just... I saw the news that he just uh, re-entered the 400 richest people. He's like the 342nd richest person in America, I believe. So I don't think he's bothered about paying for the special master. Totally worth it. And then this latest filing is for an extension um, where they're talking about when they want this to be completed. The plaintiff, that'd be Trump, suggested selection deadline be reset from September 29th with the rolling production commencing October 3rd and be completed by October 10th. In light of the substantial change in the party contracting with the vendor, the government respectfully requests the special master adopt the government's proposed reset deadlines. So there's a back and forth going on over when they're going to be done, but I got to point something out, guys. I got to point something out. They want it completed by October 10th. Not going to get into it too much right now. But there is a recent Durham filing from last week. And I go over it. It's the first item I go over in my new Substack. We've had a number of filings in the Danchenko trial having to do with classified information and the production of that classified information for use in the trial. Durham has stuff that's classified or was classified, but has been declassified that he wants to use in the trial. Of course, he has to turn that stuff over for discovery. He's had a difficulty 
turning that stuff over because the authorities, uh, and I don't mean like the, the parties responsible within DOJ and FBI and the intelligence agencies who would conduct the review of that classified material and do the redactions and possibly have to declassify it have been very slow to produce those documents over to Durham so that he can then give them over to Danchenko as part of discovery. And it's been a theme. It's been a it's it's been this theme that has come up throughout this entire case. I mean, all year long, there it's like every month there's been some filing that has to do with this and Durham has mentioned we're having trouble getting this because of overseas events, because of world events, because of other matters. And we just had a new filing from him last Friday saying, yeah, we are having a diff. We are having more difficulty with this at the time of this filing. The special counsel has produced a portion of the declassified materials that were previously litigated as a result of Mr. Danchenko's first SIPA Section 5 notice. SIPA is a Classified Information Production Act or something like that. But it basically has to do like Danchenko has to say by a certain date, I want to use these classified documents as part of my defense, or I want to challenge the use of these documents as part of Durham's prosecution. I want to object to them. He has to serve notice. And this stuff is handled in camera and uh, meaning in private with the judge. And it's all part of preparation for the trial. It has to be properly declassified and it has to be properly redacted, etc. For most of these things, well, here, let me just read it. However, because some materials have not yet been produced and the defense therefore has not been able to determine whether the special counsel's proposed summaries and redactions are acceptable, Mr. Danchenko may ask leave of court to file a supplemental SIPA 5 Section 5 notice should it be nece- should it become necessary all parties continue to act in good faith to resolve any classified information issues without the need for intervention by the court and it is expected that no further litigation will be necessary nevertheless the special counsel has informed undersigned counsel that he will not object to the filing of renewed or supplemental sipa section 5 notice should the need for one arise so they're saying look danchenko has summaries his counsel has summaries of the classified documents or declassified, but they don't actually have the documents or their copies of it for use. And there's a deadline for when they have to challenge this stuff and they have to serve notice. And that's passing. And this trial starts October 11th. So it's possible that some of these materials may be produced in the days right before the trial or even during the trial. And they may need to serve notice about them to the judge. And they're letting the judge know that. And they're also letting the judge know that both counsels, prosecution and defense are working together on this matter. The, the meaning Durham isn't trying to withhold this stuff. It's simply that the, the, the parties responsible within government to produce it, haven't produced it for some reason. And I've shown you before how, The filings in this case that have to do with declassified materials keep on coming up on the very day or the day after filings in the Trump case having to do with declassified or classified materials. And here it is again. 
Trump is asked, Trump's team is asking for this to be completed by October 10th. The Danchenko trial starts October 11th. And this, you know, humans, we notice patterns. Like our brains are really good at pattern, recognizing patterns. And there is a pattern here. And I don't know how connected the Mar-a-Lago raid is to the Danchenko trial, but I cannot get away from the pattern that I have seen and that I've shown y'all before, and it keeps coming up. And the there's similar language in the filings. There's the dates lining up, the actions lining up. I mean, the day, either the day of or the day after the Mar-a-Lago raid. So either on, it was either August 8th or August 9th, Durham told the court that he was done with classified material, that all the classified material he had, he had needed for the trial, had, he had received and that he was still, and he was ready to give discovery. It's, look, it, it, I don't believe in coincidences. So there's something to this. There's, there's a relationship here. Um, one thing I've considered before is that Durham was given, Durham was given, uh, like, perhaps Durham was given copies of the material and, Trump kept the originals, but Durham now needs the originals in order to file them with the court. Um, that's part of, uh, I think it's called best evidence or something like that, where you want to give the court the originals of everything that you possibly can. Um, that seems possible, but there's NARA. It's going to want originals as well for presidential records act. They're not going to want copies. So that could be part of the battle that everybody, we have DOJ and Durham and we have NARA and then we have President Trump. All four entities are interested in these documents. And so there's a back and forth going on about where the originals are at what time. And then there's also this other grand jury, this other criminal probe who may need some of the same materials that Durham needs for this trial. There's, there's something here. There's something here. There's a reason why filings having to do with classified, declassified materials in the Danchenko case and filings having to do with the same thing in the Mar-a-Lago raid keep on happening within 24 hours of each other. Okay. There's your, there's your update on that stuff. Watch out for clickbait. There's a lot of clickbait being produced over, over this. All right. I've got a lot of information on the Nord Stream 2. And, uh, let me... I'm trying to figure out where I want to start with it. Let's, let's, let's just start at the beginning. That makes the most sense, I suppose. Ah. 
right, I'm going to ask everybody to not make assumptions. about about this uh Nord Stream 2 Nord Stream 1 and 2 thing. I like Zias the Apes um comment in Twitch. Just read the court filings. Don't bother with the mainstream media. I I 100% agree with that. If you just read the file, you know, if you just read the filings or listen to me read them, um it really it really uh, gives you a much better understanding, a much more clear understanding of what's going on than if you rely on either conservative incorporated or mainstream media pundits, because all of them have their, their clickbait angle, their rage bait, their, their spin. But if you just read the material that's in the filings, it's, it's really easy to understand. Um, and it's not near as outrageous. So, Anyway, okay, let's on this on this Nord Stream stuff. I think this is a really good topic to apply the 24 to 72 hour rule and not leap to any conclusions about it, take in information, consider different scenarios, consider motives, consider consequences, and not let yourself be led to a conclusion ahead of what the evidence actually shows. Um, a lot of people immediately left to some conclusions. And now I think it's totally fine to have a hypothesis and, and I have my own, but now's a good time to be very careful about where we about about not getting led um because i think there are some bad actors who are going to use this is that this is a perfect incident for bad actors to use to lead us in a certain direction and and get us to uh favor something we shouldn't favor or be open to something we shouldn't be open to um so i'm going to present some of what i found and I would just ask that you keep your mind open and consider possibilities, consider different scenarios. I'll present mine, of course, but I, I'm not asking you to, I'm not presenting it as this is what it is. Uh, just give you my opinion. I'll give you my hypothesis and you can take it for what it's worth, but also consider other people's. Um, and don't, don't commit to any, scenario just yet because we are very 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 early on in this information in this leak and don't have near enough information to actually assign blame to anyone we don't have any evidence yet to actually assign blame to any entity all we have are inferences and trying to make sense of it trying to make sense of motives and, and other things so all right. Massive leak has been confirmed. Here's a map of all the pipelines. 
in Europe. The one we're talking about is Nord Stream up here. There's actually two of them, Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2. Neither of these pipelines were feeding natural gas to Europe at this time because of the special military operation in Ukraine. Europe got all mad at Russia for their special military operation, sanctioned Russia. Russia told them they would have to pay for natural gas in rubles, And Europe's like, no. And this was, this pipeline was actually shut down. It was not feeding gas to Europe. It was still pressurized though. There's still gas in the line. It, but it wasn't pumping out at the end in Europe. Okay. The leaks are near this island, Barnholm Island, which belongs to Denmark. It's large enough you can see it from space. There is one of them right there. This is from yesterday's Planet Labs satellite scan. It's approximately 700 meters in diameter. So we're not we're not talking about a small leak. H.I. Sutton works for the, uh, he does OSINT and he works for USNI News and uh, does very good naval news type stuff. He's a great person to get some commentary on from this. And here's what he presents. This is an actual photo of it. By the way, I'm not entertaining ideas that this doesn't exist. This is real. We have enough information to confirm that it's real. I'm not, I'm not going to the, the, it's not, it's real. All right. Until I have reason to believe that it's fake, I'm going with it's real because I have enough reason to believe that it is real. All right. Circumstances. The leak is near the Danish island of Barnholm in about 70 meters of water. The estimates are 50 to 70 meters of water which means it's diveable. You don't need an advanced submarine to get to this area of the pipeline. It's a diver can, what, that's like two or three atmospheres, I believe. I'm not a diver, but it's very diveable. Two things make it suspicious. A, it's just over 12 nautical miles from the island and in international waters. B, the EEZ here is disputed, the economic zone. History. In the past, the USSR-based spy submarines with special seabed engineering capabilities in the Baltic. These are implicated in some of the famous Swedish incursions in the late Cold War. But this force is no longer based in the Baltic. GUGI and the internet tapping subs... Those exist. Today, the Russian Navy has the largest fleet of spy submarines in the world. These are based in the Arctic. They would be capable of damaging a pipe in the Baltic. However, it does seem improbable. The Belgorod. A Russian submarine you will hear a lot about is Belgorod. This submarine is not to blame. Many reasons, but... 
Right now, she is understood to be operating in the White Sea. People will also point to Russian Spetsnaz divers based on the Baltic. It's not out of the question, but much of the info out there is out of date. The famous Piranha midget submarines are long since scrapped, and the Triton 1M2 are vintage and unlikely to be in service. Russia does, however, have autonomous underwater vehicles. A new center for their development is in St. Petersburg. Some of these might be suitable to such a sabotage, but they would need a host ship of some sort. So, the relevant Russian capabilities are things like divers and underwater drones, not fancy nuclear submarines. And he makes clear, I'm not pointing to a culprit. He's just doing an assessment of what capabilities Russia has. And this assessment applies to every other nation. You don't need an advanced submarine or you wouldn't, if you wanted to sabotage these pipelines, you would not need an advanced submarine. You would need an unmanned submarine or you would need a boat and some diving equipment and then plus the equipment to actually do the sabotage. Oh yeah, I got that. Okay. This is video of it that the Danish military released. Um, it, I saw they, they had a helicopter over there. I don't know what that is. It's substantial. Sweden has announced that they got seismology readings from the the leak. There's two of them. There's two seismological events that they that registered for them. And I have that somewhere. Let me grab it. Uh, well, I thought I grabbed it. second i'm scanning for it well either way the they registered these events and they were they were equivalent to about 2.2 um about 2.2 on the richter scale is what the report was so Let's let's just entertain that idea for a moment that there was a seismologic event. There was some sort of event that caught the undersea earthquake. Okay. And it somehow caused a disruption of these lines, damaged damaged the lines in, in three places is uh Everybody's posting these clips of Biden and Newland. Um, where I thought maybe it was in this one, but it's okay. No, I don't see it. Let's just entertain that idea for a moment and just tack that on our board of possibilities that there was actually two, or there were actually two undersea earthquakes 
And somehow those earthquakes were able to damage these lines. Okay. Let's pin that on the board as a possibility, the most simple explanation. An explanation that is not does not involve sabotage. I think it's unlikely that that's the explanation, but it is a possibility. It's also possible that what they picked up, those seismic readings that they picked up, were the actual explosions that occurred that damaged the pipelines, okay? But we cannot dismiss yet that it was a seismologic event, even though I think the probability of that is very low. We can't dismiss that yet because one, we have seismologic readings. Two, we don't have any pieces of, of, of the explosives. We don't have any material that points to there being an explosion, right? We don't have any material that's washed up from an exploded UAV or a uh, any any material that looks to be leftover from um, a bomb of some sort or bombs. Um, we don't have anything. We don't have any packaging. We don't have any anything like that, right? Again, I think it's low. I think the likelihood of it being just a seismologic event that happened to do this damage is very low. I don't think that's what it is. But we have to pin it on the board as a possibility. If there was a seismic event, it could be that material, the ground shifted and it damaged the pipelines, or that material on the seafloor moved and damaged the pipelines. It, it definitely could happen. A, a, an underwater earthquake could damage pipelines, and it, I don't think it'd be the first time that that happened. So it's not out of the realm of possibility, and we don't have evidence that, that points to it not being that yet. Oh yeah, there we go. This is where the breaks are. I'll, I'll come back to this substack here in a little bit, but this is where the breaks are. There's Barnholm and there's a break here. This dotted line is Nord Stream 2, which again was not feeding natural gas to Europe at this time. It hasn't been because of the Ukraine military operation. And then there's two breaks, it appears, up here on Nord Stream 1. The one that I showed you, the satellite image, is this one here. This is not the first time that something suspicious has gone on near the Nord Stream pipeline. In 2015, a drone with explosives attached to it was found near the Nord Stream pipeline in this same area. It was in this EE, Exclusive Economic Zone. This time it happened to be fall within the Swedish, not Danish, area. And the Swedes sent out their armed forces and they disabled the drone and disabled the explosives. Again, this was in 2015. The nation, the national identity of the drone was never revealed. It was an unmanned underwater vehicle, a drone, a drone submarine with explosives. It was parked next to this pipeline, the same pipeline, Nord Stream 1, back in 2015. So tack that data point up there, that this, this pipeline has been targeted 
with explosive-laden drones before. Now, I probably got this video linked to me a hundred times yesterday. Let me answer the first question first. If Germany, if, uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine again, then uh, there, will be, uh, we, there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it. What do you, what, how, will you, how will you do that exactly, since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control? We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. Okay. So everybody thinks that that was Biden saying he knew that they were going to sabotage it. Not everybody. Lots of people do. And then this one from Victoria Newland. Um, with regard to Nord Stream 2, uh, we continue to have very strong and clear conversations uh, with our German allies. And I want to be clear with you today. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. Um, with regard to Nord Stream 2, uh, we continue to have uh, very strong and clear conversations uh, with our German allies, and I want to be clear with you today. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. Okay, now Victoria Newland is actually someone who I would... Um, let me put it this way. I don't believe this man, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but I don't believe this man has the authority to command an action such as this. Because I believe we're in a form of devolution and a form of continuity of government. And I don't think that one, I don't believe he has the command authority to order the U.S. forces to sabotage uh, or to conduct such an operation. Two, if he did have the authority to do so, I don't believe that our military would obey him. I don't, I don't believe that our special operations forces would commit an action such as this that would launch us or bring us to the point of World War III. Um, I don't. But this one, this one right here, is heavily linked to Ukraine, to CIA and color revolution operations in Ukraine. And when she says it, I'm not thinking of her having authority over any U.S. forces. I'm thinking of her having authority or influence over swamp creature 
global cabal, CIA, that kind of thing. Um, especially in Ukraine. And she is still involved in operations in Ukraine. So when she says it, I don't think she's talking about being able to, or even the U.S. forces being used. I think she's talking about uh, non-nation state actors or um, things like things like that. So. That's what I infer from her based on her uh, connection with Ukraine and other things. Now, throw this up on the board of possibilities or of notables. On the same day that this, um, this incident occurred with Nord Stream, Norway and Poland opened a gas pipeline. Very same day, leaders from Poland, Norway, and Denmark have attended a ceremony to mark the opening of the new Baltic pipe, a key stage in key stage in the drive to wean Poland and Europe off Russian gas. The pipeline will transport natural gas from the Norwegian shelf via Denmark and through the Baltic Sea to Poland. It is a centerpiece of a Polish strategy to diversify away from Russia that began years before Moscow's February invasion of Ukraine. Polish Prime Minister said the era of Russian domination in the field of gas is coming to an end, the era that was marked by blackmail, threats, and extortion. I don't believe in coincidences. On the same day this pipeline opens, the Russian pipelines, which were not in use due to activity in Ukraine, this one opens. Seems pretty damn convenient. And then the Polish husband, Radek Sikorski, the Polish husband of neocon Biden admin and Hillary Clinton confidant Ann Applebaum, celebrates the attack on the Nord Stream as an act of U.S. state terror that will doom millions of Europeans to a freezing winter. And this really happened. This guy said, thank you, USA. Seeming to assign blame or responsibility to the U.S. for this sabotage. It, the tweet's still up, by the way. And then he replied to it. By the way, there's no shortage of pipeline capacity for taking gas from Russia to Western Europe, including Germany. Nord Stream's only logic was for Putin to be able to blackmail or wage war on Eastern Europe with impunity. All Ukrainian and Baltic Sea states have opposed Nord Stream's construction for 20 years. Now, 20 billion of scrap metal lies at the bottom of the sea, Another cost to Russia of its criminal decision to invade Ukraine. Someone, Ministry of Foreign Affairs Russia, did a special maintenance operation. Special maintenance operation. Ha ha ha. What a clever joke. Ukraine jumped in and accused Russia of attacking their own pipeline. Okay. 
Again, I'm, I'm throwing up some data points to you and then I'll give you what I think. On Monday, a delegation from Ukraine, including Azov battalion members, visited the Pentagon and the capital of the U.S. and met with U.S. representatives such as Adam Schiff. So on the same time that uh, this is going on, we have Nazis at our capital and at our Pentagon. Zelensky was just here last week, wasn't he? Now let's get into some really interesting stuff. The UK, this article is from 27th of August. United Kingdom to give Ukraine underwater mine clearing drones and training. The UK is giving underwater drones to Ukraine and training Ukrainian personnel in Britain to use them to clear coastlines of mines. The Ministry of Defense has announced. Dozens of Ukrainian personnel will be taught to use the autonomous mine hunting vehicles by the Royal Navy and U.S. partners over the coming months, with some already commencing their training. Six autonomous mine hunting vehicles are being sent to search for Russian mines in the waters off its coast. Three vehicles are due to be sent from UK stocks, while another three will be bought from industry. The lightweight autonomous vehicles can be used in shallow coastal environments and are designed to operate at depths up to 100 meters. How deep were these pipelines? 50 to 70 meters. Another article from UK itself saying, hey, we're donating three of these mines. How many places were the pipeline hit at? Three. Underwater mine hunting drones. CIA warned Berlin about possible attacks on gas pipeline in the summer. Now, this one's a bit tricky for me because I'm of the opinion that Pompeo did a really good job cleaning up CIA. Now, that doesn't mean it's pure. That doesn't mean that it's, oh, it's been saved. CIA is good now. But I think Pompeo did a good job cleaning it up. And we know that the Trump administration took away a lot of the CIA's power. Uh, for one, they took away the CIA's ability to use DOD equipment and personnel for any of their operations. Um, so it's not like CIA could cooperate with the DOD or make the DOD do this operation. They're disconnected now. And we know that special operations are disconnected and they're on their own branch that reports directly to the command, to the commander in chief and to the combatant commanders. So CIA would not be able to order this. But CIA warning Berlin about this. Um, the report is really, really short on details. It, 
it, it did it doesn't tell us much it just says that in the german government received a tip from the cia this summer spiegel reported it citing unnamed sources that's all we got the cia has also been robbed of their cash flow thanks to us pulling out of afghanistan And as Zayas points out, this wouldn't if CIA is responsible for this, it wouldn't be the first time the CIA has blown up a pipeline. Now, I showed you this map earlier. There are many pipelines feeding gas into Europe. But Nord Stream was the one that had the most capacity. But like I said, it wasn't feeding and hasn't been feeding any natural gas to Europe since the beginning of Russia's operation in Ukraine. They cut it off. They sank Europe sanctioned Russia. They've sent themselves into their own energy crisis and Russia told them, Hey, we'll sell you more gas, but you got to pay us in gold or in rupees or rubles or whatever. So it wasn't actually feeding any gas. It's destruction. This sabotage doesn't actually rob Europe of any gas that it was currently getting. It robs them of the opportunity to get gas from here if they decided to pay Russia for it. But it does give them something to blame their energy crisis on, though. Okay. What time is it? Okay. Um, now I want to show you just a couple more items before I give you my scenarios of what I think is going on. Ukraine was recently caught last week near Crimea using an underwater or an unmanned boat. Here's an image of it right here. It washed up on the shore near Crimea. And it appears what this is, is it's a drone boat that they could put explosives on and they could use it as a kamikaze boat, or they could use it as a spy craft to uh, spy on uh Russian ships and activity near Crimea. But apparently Ukraine lost contact with it, lost control of it, and it washed up on shore. The Russians took it out to sea and blew it up, which to me tells me that it was probably had explosives on it already, right? I mean, why wouldn't they just take it and take it apart and learn about it or keep it? Um, instead, they took it out to sea and blew it up. That that tells me that it probably had explosives in it, or they assumed it did, and so they decided to dispose of it. So, throw that up on the notable board that Ukraine has, as recently as the past few weeks, been using unmanned watercraft, likely with explosives on board. Washington Post jumped in and accused Russia of weaponizing Nord Stream pipelines. 
And this article, it's an opinion piece, but they straight up blame Russia for it, that Russia blew up their own pipeline. But then Forbes jumps in and Forbes says U.S. blew up the Russian gas pipeline, says former Polish minister. And he's talking about Sidorsky right here. Uh, <laughs> and like I showed you earlier, um, Ukraine is saying. Or I already took it out. Ukraine is saying that Russia did it. But here's what's been going on in that area. This exact same area. Around Barnholm Island was was used for Balt Balt Ops or Balt Ops 22. And <laughs> this is crazy. This was a NATO and U.S. joint exercise around the exact same area of where these explosions were. And this occurred within the past week or so. It was from June 14th through, um, where is it? I don't see it, but um, it involved the U.S. Navy 6th Fleet, partnered with U.S. Navy Research and Warfare Centers to bring the latest advancement in unmanned underwater vehicle mine hunting technology to the Baltic Sea to demonstrate the vehicle's effectiveness. Experimentation was conducted off of the coast of Barnholm Island with participants from the Naval Warf Naval Information Warfare Center, Pacific Naval Undersea Warfare Center, Newport and Mine Warfare Readiness and Effectiveness measuring all under the direction of the U.S. Sixth Fleet Task Force 68. Vault Ops is an ideal location for conducting mine hunting experimentation due to the region's unique environmental conductions. I think they meant conditions such as low salinity and varying bottom types. It is also critical to evaluate emerging mine hunting UUV technology in the Baltic due to its applicability with allied and partner nations. An additional critical objective was to continue to increase the communication range and data transfer capability to give the operators more flexibility in mine hunting. So this all just took place. And I went back and I grabbed some flights to try and give us a sight picture of the activity in this area. This explosion happened later this same day and right here before the before the sabotage we have a u.s navy p8 flying exactly over right here that is exactly where Nord Stream 2 was hit now we don't see where it started off from it didn't get picked up until it got to here it didn't take off from the water this thing's not aircraft, not aircraft carrier born, but a P8 Poseidon is a, uh, a sub hunting aircraft. And this water is not that deep. It would be very, very, very easy for this aircraft to track 
anything on the surface or under the surface of this water. In fact, this area in the Baltic is one of the most active and surveilled areas there, there is. Um, you have so many nations in this area, including Russia, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, Germany. They're all capable of tracking all the boats and submarines in this area. I mean, I would say it's it's almost impossible. It would be almost impossible for a submarine to do any activity here without being known by at least one or two nation states that continuously operate and and pay and and do surveillance of this area and intelligence gathering. But this P eight, if this if this sabotage was done by an unmanned drone, this P eight tracked that drone. And as Gomez here says, NATO activity around Kaliningrad has been very high during the last few days. Kaliningrad is over here, right here. More activity. RC-135 rivet joints. That rivet joint, Jake 11, has been operating every day since the beginning of the war. Here it's track right here doing ISR. There's the island where this activity happened. They're all ISR birds. More activity later in the same day, okay? U.S. Air Force, Jake 11 is out doing work right here. Swedish Air Force and Norwegian Air Force had ISR birds operating in the Baltic as well. There's an E-8 Joint Star operating. And this is daily. This is these ISR birds are up daily and have been for all of this year. More of them. More activity. Now, don't get distracted too much by this. A bunch of KC-135s and other aircraft have taken off of flo from Florida. They're relocating because of the hurricane. So I wouldn't mistake this for the beginning of some sort of operation. Um, they're taking out... A lot of aircraft are leaving Florida ahead of the hurricane so that they, they can be available. But there were these interesting flights... Two of these birds did go all the way over to the UK. Swedish Air Force doing work same day of the explosion. Or the, yeah, the morning. Swedish Coast Guard right after the leaks were discovered. This is the area of the Nord Stream 1 leaks. Oh, got that one twice. This is the next day. As you can see, it's a repeat of the day before. NATO aircraft doing work in the same area. Now, their range, okay, this aircraft here, the, the Jake, no, this one, Jake 11, 
I mean, it's like 500 miles. This aircraft can pick up whatever it wants for like 500 miles in any direction. Comms, track vehicles, track people, uh, scan buildings. These things are incredibly powerful. So this area is in range of this bird. All right. I want to get to this. August 22nd, uh, Kearsarge was up there. That's a smaller aircraft carrier. And uh, after the explosion, I tracked them over to the UK. Um, but they did go off. They disabled their tracking over the past several days. Um, I checked with some other sources and people were not able to track this carrier group. Here's their current location. Um, but before they were here, before they entered the English channel about a week ago and all through June and July, they were operating in the Baltic for as part of that Balt ops exercise. They were right here and their transit from Denmark area to this part of the English channel is lost. It's not nobody, nobody that I have seen found their track or was able to track them from here to here. Just saying. All right. I know I'm throwing a lot of information at you guys, but I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to give pieces here, here, and here, show you all these pieces of information and then we'll wrap it up. But I don't want anybody to jump to conclusions just yet. A lot of people have been jumping to conclusions. Okay. We've got Royal Navy donating unmanned vehicles to Ukraine, providing them training in the days and weeks leading up to this event and giving them training in the North Sea. And then we have this North Sea Balt Ops in this exact same area. I mean, it's less than four weeks later, less than four weeks after these, this training it's we've have this incident russia owns this pipeline russia doesn't need to blow up their own pipeline in fact let me just get let me just get to it let me let me, let me uh give y'all what i think russia doesn't need to blow up their own pipeline they can just turn it off they can just tell europe we're not going to sell you any more gas They don't need to do it themselves.
Russia has been silent on this, by the way. Um, there hasn't been... There, ha there really hasn't been any commentary from Russia about this event. So I think that's notable. I think, I think that's very notice notable that Russia really hasn't been vocal yet, but that's also kind of how Russia is. Um, they'll, they, they're not trying to appease Europe or the U S or media. They're just doing their own thing. Um, that's right. Spud hut. Good morning, man. Russia has offered to sell gas to the EU many, many times. And the EU just says, no, we're not going to buy it. So I don't think Russia blew up their own pipeline. They don't need to. They could simply say, we're not selling you anything anymore. Or they, if you know, they're being accused of bribing and extorting Europe over the gas and energy issue. Well, if they really wanted to do that, they could just say, look, you guys don't want to be cold this winter Buy, buy this gas from us. And, or, you know, like, like I said, it doesn't make any sense that they would, uh, they weren't actually leveraging Nord Stream. They'd shut it down because Europe refused to buy it from them and Europe refused to pay them in the, in, in the currency they wanted them to pay them in. So I don't blame Russia. I don't think Russia sabotaged their own pipeline. Um, and, and, and why would they destroy their own equipment? Uh, they just, this, this just Nord Stream 2 just got completed. The U S doing it. Most people that I have seen are jumping to the conclusion based off Victoria Newland, based off Biden's words in this clip and based off of this guy that the U.S. did this. Like I said earlier, I don't believe that this man could. I don't believe he has the authority to order such a thing. And, if he, and, that, and my reason for that is because I believe we're in a state of devolution or continuity of government. I don't believe he has authority over special forces or our military. If, um, if he did, we would see our military doing very, very different things than what they are doing now and have been since he became president. One, we would have remained in Afghanistan. Two, we would have remained deployed to Iraq. Three, we would be pulling forces out of Taiwan and pulling aircraft carrier groups away from Taiwan. We wouldn't be selling Taiwan more equipment. We wouldn't be training Taiwanese soldiers on the equipment we sell them and on tactics. We wouldn't be supplying F-35s to Japan. We wouldn't be supplying nuclear submarine technology to Taiwan and to Australia. We wouldn't be strengthening the Indo-Pak. We would have sent more weapons and possibly troops to Ukraine ahead of Russia invading or launching their operation. If this man had control of the U.S. military, we there would have been a lot of things the military would have done they didn't haven't done. And uh, yeah, it's 
I think he's boxed in and he doesn't have control of our military. I think the combatant commanders do. Two, I think if he was, if he did try to order special forces um, to carry out an attack on Nord Stream, I don't think they'd do it. I don't think our U.S. military would do it because I don't think our U.S. military wants to be in a kinetic war with Russia. But consider everything I just showed you with all of the U.S. activity in this area. These operations in this exact same area doing training with this exact same type of equipment that would be used for such an activity. Consider us giving or the UK giving drones to Ukraine and training of Ukrainian soldiers. Consider what Ukraine has been known to do in this operation, the terrorist acts they're known to commit. Consider globalist and neocons like this guy and the people he's connected to in the Biden administration and Hillary Clinton administration. What I'm seeing is this was a perfect time for a sabotage to be made and blame the U.S. for it. I think that this operation, I, I, my hypothesis, I'll be clear, it's my hypothesis that Ukraine did this, that Ukraine took the three drones that were donated to them by the UK. They loaded them with explosives and they crashed them into the Nord Stream pipeline in three places. And they did it at a time when the U.S. could be blamed for it where the U.S. was, had recently been in this area, where Biden and Newland had made commentary that could be used against them, where Ukraine just managed to take a bunch of land back from Russia, thanks to this operation that they did. But Russia also pulled out because Russia, is not, Russia didn't care about holding that ground. Russia just announced their, you know, Putin just gave that speech where he's, he's gathering more troops and equipment and they're going to do another offensive. Three regions in Ukraine just voted to join Russia and to separate from Ukraine. I think that this is a very, very, I think, I think this whole situation is perfect for Ukraine to conduct an operation like this and be able to frame it as, or be able to um, shape things for the CIA to shape things, for the globalists and the deep state to shape things so as to blame the U.S. for it with the intention of getting the U.S. and Russia closer to an actual conflict with each other. What Ukraine needs right now, besides all the money we're giving them, what Ukraine really, really needs is for NATO and U.S. 
to get more involved in Ukraine, to put troops in Ukraine, to give them more equipment and more money in order to save them from Russia. Russia is, is and has been winning their special military operation. And Ukraine's, the only reason Ukraine has lasted this long is because of donated equipment and a bunch of money that has been fed to them. So I think they're in a very, very desperate place. And I think that some bad actors saw an opportunity to conduct this operation, shift blame to the U.S. and Biden, and try and leverage it into getting the U.S. and Russia closer to an actual conflict. Um, and I think we should be very, very careful of this. Because I think, as I, as I typed out on Truth and Telegram, I think we're being breadcrumbed into blaming the U.S. I really do. I think we're being breadcrumbed into blaming the U.S. for something that Ukraine did. Ukraine slash CIA. Ukraine slash Black Ops. Uh, I, th I think that's what's going on here, guys. And I think that's very, very convenient for a lot of players. For Europe, this is very convenient. Europe can now tell their citizens, look, you're cold this winter because of the destruction of the pipeline. You're cold this winter because of Russia, not because of our energy policies. They can scapegoat their, their failures on this. I, I, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at on it. Um, if, if it comes out that, that the U S did this, that U S military did this, um, that ain't good. That, um, that's, that's, in fact, that would be very, very disturbing to me. And, um, yeah, I really hope that's not the case. I don't think it's the case. Um, and I really hope that it's not, um, what makes the most Ukraine makes the most sense to me. Um, but like I said, I think the 24 to 72 hour rule is well applied here. And we should all be careful about not jumping to any conclusions. Um, one thing I'm reminded of with this situation is Gulf of Tonkin. I'm reminded of WMDs in Iraq and a load of other things where media and deep state have converged onto the same narrative and drug a lot of us along and framed things in a convenient way for them and their friends to get the people to go along with some sort of military or economic or political action or all three, because we all got the impression 
that it was these people to blame or this was necessary. And then months, years down the road, we're like, man, we got, we got conned, right? How many, how many times has some sort of incident been used or framed in a way that led to us being taken advantage of? And I think this situation is ripe for that. It's so, so convenient for so many players and so, so easy to blame the U.S. And the consequences of this action, depending on who gets the blame, could lead us down a very dangerous road for us and for other nations. And one that ultimately benefits who? the globalist, and Ukraine. Who stands to benefit the most from sabotage of this pipeline? Ukraine. If it leads to the U.S. and NATO being further involved in the conflict. So, that's that's what I think about it. I really... um. I need to end the show soon because like I said, I have a flat tire, so I need to go and check on that and, uh, probably plug in my air compressor and put air in my tire so that I can go pick up my kid from school. But that's what I have to present on this to you so far. Please try not to jump to conclusions and not be reactionary. This is not the time for hot takes. This is not the time for hot takes. This is a situation where we should be very careful about the information that we're being given and shown and fed and consider it very carefully. Consider it in the micro and in the macro. Um, I'm, look, I'm gonna be looking for some more Durham filings today. And my plan is to do a bonus hour tonight. Later tonight, it'll be posted after 10 p.m., after 11 p.m., most likely. I'll post a bonus hour on my Substack, justhuman.substack.com, and on my locals. And um, it'll be going over Durham and Danchenko stuff. So, guys, I'm glad to be back. I'm really sorry I had a rough start this morning, but it's one of those days. But that's okay. It's just one of those days. Um they happen from time to time. Hopefully my tire isn't actually flat. Today was the coldest morning we've had so far of the season. It got down into the upper 30s or maybe around 40 degrees this morning. So maybe my tires are just underinflated and the sensor went off on the way back home. Um, I'll, I'll figure it out. So, and I'll be, I'll be back here later tonight to, uh, to do a bonus hour for y'all. And I'll be live again this Friday, 9.30 a.m. Y'all have, have a blessed day. I don't have my exit music queued up because, like I said, it's one of those days. And why would I do? Why would I be so pro as to actually be ready to end the show? Why would I be so pro? All right, there we go. There we go. All right, guys. Thank y'all very much. Have a great one. I'll see you later tonight.